You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza. Fortnightly, we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Today, we are joined by musical theatre performer, Jala Black. Before we get started, I would like to acknowledge that I am on Tabal land. And I am on Gadigal land, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record. And we recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Jala is a proud queer, trans, non-binary actor, writer and graduate from the Queensland Conservatorium Griffith University with a Bachelor of Musical Theatre. In 2022, Jala filmed a guest role on Bump Season 3 with Stan and the supporting role of Ash in Mickey vs. The World with ABC and is currently shooting a TV series to air on Channel 9 in 2024. Passionate about bringing queer stories to the stage, in 2022 they performed in Little Triangle's Queer Sondheim Cabaret, Isn't It Queer? And last year made their main stage debut in the Australian tour of Jagged Little Pill. Most recently they performed in the Australian premiere season of Bearded the Musical. Please welcome to the mic, Jala. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Very excited to be here. We're very excited to have you. Ah! We feel like we're getting the, the the last bit of the triangle of your beautiful friendship group. Well, that's it. Hey, I just had FOMO. They've both been on. My two besties, the beautiful Chelsea and Ren, they've both been on and I was like, I think it's my turn actually. <laughs> Where's my attention? And now here you are. <laughs> hey! And I'm very excited to be here. Well, thank you so much. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Recently, you actually finished performing the Australian premiere of Bearded the Musical. I did. What was that rehearsal process like and how are you going? Is it is How are you feeling about it all? Yeah, well, it's all done now. So we just closed on Friday night, which was super fun. The rehearsal process was like quite interesting. It was my first time being on like a new musical. And it was really fun. It was a lot of like development in the room and like figuring out the character together because I was the first non-binary person to play this character. And like my character Kelly started as a woman at the beginning of the process, like a, a like butch dyke lesbian woman. And then over the period of the rehearsal process, um, Nick, the director, kind of said to me, hey do you reckon this character is actually non-binary? Like, I think the way you're playing it and, like, I think it might be really important to, like, tell that story. Like, what do you think? And I was like, slay, I'm so in, actually. Um, (laughs) So, like, that was really fun to kind of have that whole arc of, like, taking the character from one place to another. But, yeah, it was a really fun rehearsal process and really collaborative with, obviously, Sean and Nick, the two writers, because Sean played the lead in the show, played Ace, and Nick directed the show as well. So they were super involved through the whole process, as you would be as a writer yeah. on a new work. But, um, yeah, it was really fun and really uh, joyous to, like, be a part of new queer work, which obviously is, like, so close to my heart. Um, but it was beautiful to, like, see during the show week how much it affected all, like, the little trans babies and, like, the little queer teens who came to see the show and like we did a full show and like you could just hear there's like this kiss between my character Kelly and Bet 
who is um, like the protagonist of the show and um, Beck, who plays Bet, when we did our little stage kiss right at the end of the show, in the school's show, you could just hear all the little queer babies go, <gasps> and it was so cute and there was no applause. It was just like a collective gasp and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so worth it, you know? Like, this is why we do it. Yeah. And that's why new work is so important. Yeah. As, like, for people to, like, see themselves on stage. And oh, that's my favourite thing about Australian new work. Yeah. you got to champion it. Absolutely. this is the stuff people want to see. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, I mean, people went all the way to Frankston for it. So, and we had a sold-out season. Amazing. So, it's like, people are hungry. I feel like we have the yeah. most queer theatre in the world. Like, queer new theater that's yeah, being totally. seen in the world the more i think about it like i feel like i see so many new works coming out of you know the west end and broadway but they're just they're not queer mm. they're just i think kind of normal totally i think australians are really pushing for diversity because we've had probably the least diverse 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 industry for such a long time yeah. because i mean australia is like not necessarily as diverse as like England and New York um, Mm -hmm. as a country. But I think we're so hungry for it now and we're so passionate about making it happen because we've been so behind the times for so long. Yeah. So I feel like it's, you're so right. It's really beautiful to see Australian work kind of leading that cause. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's so important to not only have new work, a new Australian work, but new queer work because we do, we, you know, there's nothing worse than growing up and not seeing yourself on stage or represented in TV or in film. So having that opportunity now is so important for the next generation of young people, young performers, young people that are going to be part of the queer community to be able to see themselves on stage and understand that it's okay to be themselves. And, you know, it's a little additional step in their journey that we might not have had or that we didn't have growing up Um, because I think even for our generation you know it was definitely more common Mm. but it still it still wasn't a thing that was like the norm or it wasn't you know people would talk about it a little bit more openly but it it wasn't like oh that's just normal it was kind of like oh let's 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 move on from that topic yeah well I mean gay was a thing when we were growing up but like being trans was like you know, in my mind being, I used to watch this, like, um, this one, like, HBO series called I'm Jazz or something, and it was about this little trans girl. Yes! Do you know the one I'm talking about? I love that series. And I would watch it and watch it over and over again, and I was like, I don't know, I just found it really interesting. And it was because it was the only trans person, like, on mainstream media, and it wasn't even really that mainstream. I watched it on YouTube, you know? Yeah. But, like, yeah. We just didn't have any like trans representation whereas like kids coming up nowadays like it's so I feel so honored to have been like a trans person on stage even though it's like what I've been in the industry for like 2 years but like to have been someone for a little trans baby out there who's been like oh my god you know look at them they're trans yeah. and like they're doing it. It's otherworldly I had an experience semi-recently um in my muggle job Uh, I wrote a play last year that was about um somebody coming out as trans which Charlie you were part of the first reading for yes um and one way I didn't even know that yeah Yeah, was part of my first reading for it um and played the role of August (laughs) sorry I was like (laughs) I wrote these characters I don't remember the names are so I do that um And um, not long after that, one of my little work children, she said to me, hey, after, and it's really weird because I'm super awkward talking about my work, Mm. and they were also just a little bit awkward in general, Um, and I was like, hey, just so you know, um, seeing that made me realise that I am maybe a woman and that I'm maybe trans, and I was like... Oh, oh, Baba. Okay, that's why you do it. And it's crazy to think that something that I wrote had that effect on you. Well, that's why it's so important, right? Like, you see, mm. we see like straight cis stories, straight cis white stories, 
constantly on our TVs, like it in mainstream media, it's the thing that we see over and over and over again. So when somebody sees a trans story and they're a trans person, but maybe they don't realize it's that like hit of emotion that they're like, Oh my God, like that's me. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's such like a, I think so many people have like such a shocking moment of like realization because it's so just like not out there. 100%. So obviously you started out studying music theatre at the Queensland Conservatorium at Griffith University. How did you find you grew as a performer there and what kind of hurdles did you have to overcome during your study? Yeah, I find it so interesting talking about like my time at the con because I was so different. I was a little girly pop yeah. musical theatre baby. I had a long ponytail <laughs> and I wore my little lemon. Oh, can't think of anything oh worse my gosh, now. You're a Lululemon girl. So bad. I was a tights and crop top baby, and I was like, I don't know why I feel so uncomfortable in this, but I'm gonna rock it anyway. Idiot. Silly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, yeah, you get into third year, and then you get to wear color, and that's like, wow, everyone goes ham on the. Like we're all in the matching set. So and... funny. So funny. Are you in third year this year? Yeah. <laughs> ah, so fun. Yeah. Oh, third year was I the know. worst. Good fun. Yeah. Um, well, sort of. <laughs> I want to hear it about it. Yes, yeah, sorry. So it. it was like good. It was just, yeah, I think the con was really great for like developing my skills, of course. Um, yeah. But I think like whenever I talk about it to anybody now, I kind of say like the biggest thing I learned from the con was how to work hard and critically look at myself Mm. so I think like I had a few hurdles just in the way of like I had a really bad injury in first year so I didn't dance for the first half of first year and was on like crutches for 10 weeks which was not slay and then in third year I was COVID year so I was 2020 grad and um so we we were supposed to do wicked and then which I mean I probably would have gotten nodes from anyway but you know um we, it didn't end up happening, and we did a different show. Um, which but, which role were you cast in? I was supposed to be Alphaba. Oh, my God. I had a feeling. I was like, yeah. Alphaba? Yeah. Yeah, so me, Nina, and Chelsea were supposed to be Alphaba, um, oh. which was would have been so fun. But, you know, that's the way the cookie yeah. crumbles. It didn't happen. And yeah. um, But it was really bizarre finishing. Well, not that I finished on online, but, like, doing a large chunk of third year online was – quite a challenge um yeah but I mean it makes you stronger and whatever but I think like it's so yeah I don't know it's so interesting for me to look back because I'm just like I was such a different person and I feel like I've learned so much more about myself since then and like my craft is so different since being at the con like the con definitely Mm. grew my skill set and like I'm a better dancer I'm a better singer I'm a better actor because of it but I think I the the notes that I always got was like you're you're so talented you're so incredible like you're doing such great work but there's always just something missing and I got that all the way through all the way through until third year and then I remember we were doing elegies at the beginning of third year and um it, it was like my favorite show to do I was so connected to the piece I was playing um this mother of these two kids who passed away of breast cancer and I had someone in my life um who was like my second mum who passed away of breast cancer. And so it was like this whole like very um, personal piece and we were all super, we all got really close during it and close to the director and it was really beautiful. And I remember there was one performance of that where my one of the acting teachers was like, you finally hit it, you finally like got past that thing in your brain. But that was literally the only time in the entire course where someone was like, yes, that was you completely in the character whereas since coming out as trans I like that's what I'm good at I'm good at like immersing myself in a character and I'm good at like giving it my all and it's so interesting because before coming out I was like getting through to the final round of everything but not getting anything and then as soon as I came out I started getting things so it's like yeah I don't know I find it so bizarre to look back on my time at the con because I'm like yes it was so amazing and so incredible, but I feel really disconnected to it because I feel like a different person. But it was amazing and I loved it. 
you know. Oh, yeah, but there's definitely, like, sometimes you can't find those things out about yourself in such a pressure cooker environment because you're trying to just, like... Totally. I don't know. Everything's so bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And so sometimes, like, actually letting things settle, then you find out who you are. And it seems like you've you've kind of found that post uni, which is, like, a really beautiful thing. Totally. Because it's so stressful when you're in the environment and you're going through the the hurdles of like I don't know yeah you're like oh I've got to get an agent I've got to yeah I think I was really lucky I was really lucky on that like point because the end of third year I I like signed with my agent pretty much straight away and and still with them and they're amazing I'm obsessed with them so I was really lucky like on all of that stuff like I didn't have a super amount of like end of third year stress I think it was more just like, I don't know, I was like flailing and like figuring out who I was. So I never really like felt connected to anything, I suppose. But I think like a lot of my friends who have like just graduated, like the year who's just gone, because um, they were the first years when I was in third year. I'm, I'm quite close with, do you know Jack Ingram? Yeah. yeah, Jack. So we have had a couple of conversations with they're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, oh, the world is so scary. And I'm just like, oh, babe, like you have another thing coming if you think you know everything yet. Like you have, like I'm three years out of the con now and I'm still learning things that I could never have learned in an institution. Like it's just not the environment where you can truly flourish and become yourself. Like it's so beautiful to learn all of those skills. But I just think that like post-institution, you learn more about your craft and who you are Mm. absolutely yeah because you do need to learn those skills like you it's a really great place to go to learn all the skills get the singing technique the dance the acting and all that stuff but I do get what you mean like when you actually start living your life and discovering who you are and being your own person Mm -hmm. away from being like musical theater is my 24 (laughs) seven um and then you go to oh wait I have more than that life is life is is more than just musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uni is great. It's not for everyone. It is yeah. great. It has a lot of pros and cons. But yeah, the most time that you actually learn about being a performer is when you actually leave okay. and actually do the thing that you've been training to do because it's not ever going to be like what you thought it was going to be. No. And honestly, I learned, I feel like I learned so much more on my like first gig than I did in uni. And I couldn't have learnt those lessons unless I had uni. But mm. do you know what I mean? Like it's all, it all yeah. culminates in each other. In terms of like your transition post uni mm. um, into like the professional industry, was it kind of seamless for you or did you come across like some challenges when you came out um, mm. into the industry itself? I mean, I've, yeah, I've kind of already said it, but it was like really interesting. I like had a pretty good end of third year transition. Like I signed with my agent quite quickly and um, decided to move to Melbourne and that was all going quite well. And I was like auditioning for a lot of things and like getting through to the final round for most things, but not like getting anything. And then COVID hit like the second wave hit in 2021. Oh yeah. And I was in the Melbourne lockdown for three months and was like, what is gender? Oh my God. And (laughs) just went through a time. And, um, that's when I, I was just so lonely and my friends in Sydney were like, why don't you just move to Sydney where you have more friends? And I was like, no, you're actually so right. So I did that. And then two days into being in Sydney, cut off my hair and then came out as non-binary And then slowly just like came more and more into myself kind of over those first six months after coming out. Kind of between like when I came out as they, them, and then when I came out as they, he, it like just slowly, slowly got more and more me. And I think over those six months, I booked Bump, I booked Mickey, I booked Isn't It Queer, and I booked Jagged. And like all of those things, like one after the other. Like I remember... In, so I came out in like October, November of 2021 as trans. Yeah. And then in January, I booked Mickey vs. the World and Bump all in one week. And it was just like, 
it was crazy. It was nutso. And they were both like, I mean, Bump was a tiny little one line role. It, like, it was so funny. I loved it though. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, so funny. Like, it was a queer barista. And then Mickey vs. the World was a non-binary character. And then Isn't It Queer was a non-binary character. And then Jagged was a non-binary character. Like all these things. And like most things that I've gotten since have been queer content or trans content. I mean, they kind of work in the same vein, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really interesting. My career didn't really start until I, yeah, came out as trans. Because I think the more true to yourself you are, like the less you care what people think. So that like... You know that like nervous like audition energy that you get? Yeah. I think I just felt it so heavily before because I was like trying to prove something. Whereas like as mm-hmm. soon as I came out, I think I was just like, oh, well, I'll just do my best. And then I started getting things. Which also in its in itself is I think the thing that impacts auditions so much is I feel like the less you care, like the less mm. pressure you put on yourself for mm. auditions, the better results you have both from the actual outcome and like in yourself like if you put totally. so much pressure on yourself for an audition and you come out and then it's just it just sits with you for so long and then regardless yeah. if it's successful or not you it just whereas when you go in and you're like well I did my best and we'll see what happens and yeah. then you can literally just let it go and regardless of the outcome that's not going to impact you anymore. yeah 100% I agree with that And that's, I think, what kind of happened. I just kind of, like, stopped caring so much, which, like, sounds really bad, but it's kind of really good because musical theatre can be unforgiving and a bit unrewarding at times. So I think I, like, stopped living my life for musical theatre and, like, started living my life for me. And whenever I got a gig, it was, like, a bonus, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than the other way around. Absolutely. Well, I don't know about you, Tori, but we might move into a game. <gasps> yeah. What do you feel? Yes. Go for it. I'm kind of thinking we might go into our new game. So our new game is called Swipe Left or Right. And this is on little trends going around or just things we're curious on if you would swipe left or swipe right. Now, from memory, swiping left means bad. it's bad. <laughs> Swiping right yes. means it's good. If you've ever used Tinder, you know what it is. <laughs> it's been oh, a half second since I used Tinder, so I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first one is, are you swiping left or swiping right on Australian Idol? Oh, I'm actually swiping right. I think it's slay. And I'm living for the TikTok content. I'm loving, yes. like, I feel like I watch, I like, I don't actually watch it on TV, although I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I watched one episode on TV and then I was like, this slaps. Why do I love this? And then I like started seeing the videos on my TikTok and I was like, this is actually really fun. And it feels nostalgic because as a kid, I loved Australian Idol. So swipe right. Yeah. Love. I'm kind of, I don't know about anyone else, but on TikTok, I think I watch more movies and TV shows on TikTok than actual TV now. Me too. It's so bad. I'll just like watch it. And they always have that like, like weird, like instrumental underneath it that isn't actually in the movie. Or there's like, it's like a video playing of like a doctor procedural and then underneath they're like making slime or something. (laughs) And I end up watching the slime video instead of the episode and just listening to the episode. I've just found that I see so many like doctor doctor procedural, like Grey's Anatomy episodes and I'm always like, oh, maybe I should like watch. And then I like watch like two episodes of Grey's Anatomy and I was like, this isn't as good as what's on TikTok. Okay. The next one is going to be swipe left or right on Doc Martens. Oh, right. I'm gay. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> exactly. Why would I not? I, yeah. Yeah, no. But platform Doc Martens. Oh, absolutely. Platform. absolutely. They've got the power. They do. The they power? I feel stomp. when I wear my platforms. Oh, I just stomp down and I like strap my stuff down the street. Maybe I'm wearing an awful outfit, but I don't care because i got my platform docs on. Okay. What about, I don't know, I'm interested, camping. Right. Right, you're a camper. I am a camper. I grew up in Queensland. So my family, we like, I was like homeschooled for six months and we like camped around Australia. Like huge, Love. come from a camping family. Wow. I know. It's a bit <laughs> bizarre. It's a bit off brand for me, really. You know what? No, I can, I 100% can see it. Yeah? 100%. Well, you know yeah, me. I feel like you're someone that really, 
Yeah. I'm like, I feel like you like being in nature. Yeah, I do. I do like being in nature. Yeah. Mm. Love. Okay. The next one is jukebox musicals. Oh, oh, that's a hard one. I mean, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the jukebox musical, but jukebox musicals as a concept, right? I think they're mm. fun. I think they're usually light-hearted, except for Jagged Little Pill, obviously. Yes. Um, yeah. What are you talking about? What are you so, talking about? But that's so a really, light. really good one. Oh my god, it didn't tiny, make me cry multiple times. <laughs> It's hilarious. Imagine being in it every night. Oh my god, <laughs> crying. The um, trauma. The trauma. Oh my god, I actually was fully depressed for a month after we closed because I was like, this is like residual just trauma yeah. from like being around the sadness. So funny. Um, yeah, no. Swipe right. I saw Angeliette the other night, and it slays. And I saw, oh, I yeah. also saw Moulin Rouge a little while ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. And although, like, some people are like. Oh, it's a bit on the nose. I'm like, you know what? I lean in. I think it's slay. I think it's funny. Also, I think it knows what it is. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It it knows that it's camp and that it's li- it's a spectacle. It's yeah, like exactly so gaudy, but that makes it better. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Mamma Mia was the first musical I ever saw. So so that holds a place in your heart. It does. Mamma Mia. Does I have a gripe with Mamma Mia sometimes. I am like. I really think for me it depends on the production that I'm seeing because I really do love the good ones. I mean, my best friend Chelsea Dawson's about to be in the new Australian (gasps) tour. I'm I'm very, very excited. The love of my life. So that's going to be good. It's going to be so. That's going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. I've never seen it live. You've never seen it live. Oh my God. No, I've only ever seen the movie. It's good. And so I'm very excited. I didn't get to see it last time, so I'm excited. It's still Mamma Mia. Like, that's the thing about Jigbox musicals. I'm like, I swipe right because they know what they are. Like, they're never – it's never going to be, like, groundbreaking work. But I kind of love that. No, I agree. I agree. No, the new one is going to be amazing. I'm excited about that. I, I want to see, like, a pro a pro version because yes. I haven't seen a pro version yet. Yes. So I'm very excited. There we go. And I guess the last one, lucky last, is Escape Rooms. Oh, left. Easy left. Hate them. Oh, my gosh. I wasn't expecting this. Do they cause you immense anxiety? I would rather get a ketchup bottle and squirt it on my head than do an escape room. I would rather (laughs) eat mustard and only mustard for the rest of my life. I don't know why I'm on the condiment train, but that's where we're going. I'd rather (laughs) eat mustard for the rest of my life than go to an escape room. I hate them. I hate them. They're awful. Anxiety, just like not enjoyable. I hate scary things. I don't like scary things. Oh, me too. I will only sit through a horror movie for a date. I will not sit through a horror movie at any other time in life. I won't do it voluntarily at all. I hate it. It's I awful. didn't realize escape rooms were scary. I mean, I've only do- I've only they done are. one. It caused me so much anxiety. The idea that even though I know when the time is up, I know that I'll still be allowed out. There's still this fear that like, what if I'm just, gonna- just stuck in here? Oh, and I'm very claustrophobic. Oh, that just sounds like the... I actually just have, like, tears in my eyes even thinking about it. It's the worst thing I can think of. I hate it. I have a... I'm actually going to cry. I hate it so much. Oh, my God. I actually... You're going to make me cry now. No, fully. It's so bad. I hate them. I think the one the one time I've ever done an escape room, I was so excited because I thought, everybody loves escape rooms. It's going to be great. I had a... I like, I didn't actually have a panic attack, but I felt like I was going to have a panic attack. I was like scared and just trembling in the corner. I was like in a little ball and I was like, you do it because I, I can't even function. It was awful. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I just took your ride just then. <laughs> I was not expecting that reaction. Absolute trauma. The trauma. I hate it. It's just the beeping when they, they go like you running out of time. And <laughs> Sorry, I'm really going in there. I'm just re-traumatizing. <laughs> I mean, I I've literally like only done one. And I just remember we the person, we must have been getting really close to the end. And I kept going back to, I don't know, a painting or something. Being like, I was like certain that the answer to like the last thing was like in this painting. And the person came over the system and was like, it's, there's, it's there's not. nothing there. Please move on to something else. And I was like, oh, okay. Ah, damn it. 
was like, it's fine. <laughs> well, jumping back into it, um, after the trauma that we've just caused you, um, can you talk a bit on your experience, which you already kind of have a bit, but a bit on your experience as a trans person navigating the industry and what changes you have noticed and what changes you want to see? Mm, yeah, totally. I mean, I've already kind of spoken on my experience, like, work-wise, but um, I definitely have noticed through 2022, like, there's definitely a shift towards making more space for trans people in commercial theatre. It's a constant conversation with casting panels for me to be like, do you feel comfortable doing this? Especially as a trans non-binary person, like, I definitely identify more with the masculine, but obviously within a musical theatre realm, like I'm a mezzo. So how do you kind of cast that? So it's a constant conversation as to being like, okay, well, where do I actually fit in this puzzle piece? Is there even a role that we could make work for me? Kind of even before I get in the room. Mamma Mia has actually, they were kind of the best about it and maybe... I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this, but whatever. I obviously didn't get the role, so who cares? Um, I, <laughs> lol, I, um, I got an audition originally for Female Ensemble, and it was like right after Jagged and right after American Idiot was cancelled, which I was supposed to be in. And then I was like, okay, time to like start auditioning for things again. And I was like, it was my first time kind of being in the industry with a professional gig under my belt. So like more people were seeing me for things. And so Mamma Mia was super keen to get me in the room. But I was like, I just feel a bit icky about going in for female ensemble. Like, especially in a show like Mamma Mia that is so gendered, I think I would just Mm -hmm. probably maybe want to die after wearing a floral dress on stage for 14 months. Like, I just actually can't think of anything worse. So like, I would rather make coffees than do that. You know what I mean? So I was like, I called my agent and I was like, look, I think I'm actually just really uncomfortable with doing that. Like, I don't think I can do it. And she was like, that's fine. How about I just call the casting director and see what they say? And I was like, okay, I mean, it's worth a shot. And so she did. And they were like, look, I'm happy to see Jala for whatever they want to be seen for. So I ended up going in for male ensemble, which was so slay. It was like the most euphoric day ever, like being in the dance call with all the boys and it was just like I was like yes this is actually correct I am where I need to be right now and I slayed because I felt comfy and then kind of like I got down to the final rounds and it ended up being like a bit of a I think it was like they weren't really sure where to put me and then because of that I like kind of didn't do my best and you know it just was what it was but it was kind of amazing to see that they were willing in such a mainstream commercial show willing to see someone who is gender diverse yeah just to like see it as an option because I think two years ago nobody was even willing to see it as an option and there are definitely shows that I've put forward for that just aren't willing to see it as an option and I think there are things like Anne Juliet that's coming through that like my mate Riley is on and like a bunch of other non-binary performers are on and they're like doing amazing and like Blake Applequist is playing Romeo in it and there's a heap of gender diverse performers in in that show and there's there's more and more happening I think what I want to see within the next five years is like more diversity in the ways of like how we cast roles so like does Romeo have to be an AMAB person assigned male at birth or could it be an AFAB trans man? Like, you know, is there a way that we can work casting so that people's gender identities are affirmed and we're seeing interesting casting choices in the same way that we're working towards racial diversity? Is there a way that we can work towards trans people being included in the industry because I think at the moment like I look at musical theatre the Australian musical theatre scene I don't know a single trans man in musical theatre I don't I know one one trans woman but not in commercial theatre like she works more in like independent and she's a writer as well so I'm just like I wonder if over the next five years we can work towards inclusive casting not just like Mm, non-binary diverse casting 
like trans diverse casting. Um, and I think that yeah. comes also with like new shows coming through like Bearded and um, like new writers coming through like Andy Freeborn that we know and um, <laughs> Cassie Hamilton, who I was just talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like seeing people like them writing things could be really cool. And I think that's where like new musical theater comes through because obviously like the traditional musical theater that we're used to is super gendered. And like when it comes to voice types, it's really hard to like get a balance. And like, obviously the general population will hear like a high voice and be like, that's a woman and a low voice and be like, that's a man. But is there a way that we can like, I don't know, work towards a more inclusive industry? I think that's, that's what I want to see. Yeah, no, it's so important. I think you're right. It's, I don't think it's not doable with traditional music theatre. I think it just takes a lot of time and effort and whether or not producers are willing to put that time and effort in really is, it's one of those things we've said many, many, many times. It starts Mm. from the top and it works its way down. And that's the thing like with, with Mamma Mia, like it was just beautiful that they were willing to see it. You know, and they were they yes. were there being like with open arms being like, Yep, what do you, what do you want to be seen for? And it was a conversation and they were like, you know, down the line we can have a com- conversation about costuming and how how can we fit you into this production? And like it didn't work out in the end, but I wonder if in the future something like that could work out. Yeah. yeah. Especially because they took that leap to affirm that for you which has never happened before yeah it's like has it and you don't know if that's happened like if maybe they have done that with other performers in the past but maybe this is the first time and then after this time when they cast the next show they it just like progresses that little bit more Mm. every time to where they are able to cast anyone for anything and I I do get what you mean though about like voice types and stuff that's definitely a, a tricky yeah a tricky part of it which is you know, if you're in a mask ensemble, you could sing in the key that you need to sing in. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Well, I mean, I've like I I've done it. Like I played in Jagged Little Pill. The the track I did was a non-binary character, and I obviously sang I sang the soprano line, and um, <laughs> which is not me, but I did it anyway. Um, but like I was singing the soprano line and playing this little like lad, you know, this little like silly schoolboy. So, like, there is a way that you can do it. I think it's just, like, Jagged's a new musical and it's, you know, it needs to be written in. It has it has more room. There's more room for growth, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's about just changing and growing as, as the industry changes and grow, grows and for, for the big producers to be willing to see people because there are big producers who aren't, who just aren't willing to see. Yeah trans performers and that's sad but it's getting better yeah that's yeah and I mean you made your professional debut in Jagged Little Pill Ah. yeah so exciting uh how did that kind of process work because did you come in during new cast changes Mm -hmm. during its run how did that work going in when the show's already on yeah it was pretty wild um I so I came in for the final Sydney season um, because Teo, who I took over from, was doing another project. And um, I, yeah, I, it was, pr- the. I mean, I think, Tori, I remember telling you about this, like, as it happened, but yeah. it was, like, I had, like, kind of a really slow burn casting process over, like, two or three months. And then all of a sudden, two weeks out, it was, like, okay, you have a final callback. And I hadn't heard anything in, like, a month. So I had the final callback, and it was, like, my first day in my office job my new office job and I was doing the callback in the office and I was like, what the the hell heck is happening? Like, I just don't even know what's going on. And then, um, had to film everything that night again, when I had a rehearsal for this, I was doing, um, mystery of Edwin Drood at the time. And so I went to rehearsals and then after rehearsals used the studio until like 1130 PM at night, just like re-recording all of the stuff after that day and then sent it in that night. And then um, two days later, had the gig, had to quit my job because four days after that, I was starting. So the next Monday I started and then I learnt the show in seven days, six six days, six day slay. That's what we called it. We learnt the show. So me, Henry <sighs> Rollo and um, Robbie Mejica 
we learnt the show in six days together and um, and then teched it. And then I remember the first preview, we were like, I don't even feel like I know the show. <laughs> like we, we just were, I think it was like maybe my second run through. It might've been my first run through with all costumes and props. Like I wasn't even sure what costumes I wore in what scene. It was not so like it was the most hectic thing, but it was such a beautifully tight cast that everybody had everyone's back. And I felt very um, supported and loved. And it was honestly, it felt like the perfect um, first gig for me. Cause I, I work quite well under pressure and I do learn things quite fast. So I felt like it was good, like, here you go. Kind of wall of fire industry experience for me to do. Wow. Did you even, did you sleep? No, <laughs> not at all. Absolutely not. No. Went home and just was doing my like clapping dance being like, oh my God, yeah. what am I doing? I remember seeing like, videos yeah, of you I was doing like, it. This is so silly. Yeah. <laughs> was that the hardest dance to learn in the whole show yeah there was that and like this one other like countervate across the stage where I like traveled a really long way doing these weird steps like Jagged wasn't overly like my track wasn't overly like it was really dancey but it wasn't like hard dancing like there was no pirouettes mm-hmm. there was no high kicks it was just like yeah. a bit bizarre coordination wise so yeah. I just like had to kind of work. I had to really slog away for those six days to like really get it. But yeah. um, I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite lucky that I pick things up quite fast. So I think it was, uh, I was the right person for the job. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's crazy that they literally, you waited a month to hear back for that final callback. And then they were like, okay, we need this right now. It was wild. And then you're doing the show in a week. Yeah. Have fun. It was kind of fun though. Like it was a bit chaotic and I was like, you know me, I live for the chaos. So I was like, oh, I'm in. Well, I couldn't think about it. I couldn't like, yeah, out. I couldn't no. get anxious. It was just like, okay, I got to sort out my life and I got to start in yeah. four days and that's it. And it's like I when did... you leave an assignment to the last minute and you just have, you, you just don't have an option. You just have to, you just have to organize it and it just has to be done and it has exactly. to be at the best that you can make it like there's just like no other option so it's kind of better that way than having like you know months and months and months of time to like you know prepare and like overthink everything that you're doing because you know you get to a point of preparedness where you then go oh is this oh and what I'm doing is actually is it actually good should I have trusted my first instinct should I completely rework everything that I'm doing yeah it was very just like you got to do it because you got to do it and there's no time yeah yeah, it was that's so affirming good. though. Yeah, because then you're then you're like, wow, I just learned a show in six days. I did I just do that? Okay, I've actually done that a few. I like it's been a silly little theme with me where I've learnt a couple shows in like five, six days. I did this show in 2021. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, it was before I came out. Um, called Lesbian Love Stories, and uh. It was with the local lesbians in Brisbane. It was fun. And it was like a bunch of monologues and a, like it was a lot of text and I had to learn it in yeah. five days and I just did it because it was like one of those things where it's just wall of fire and I don't know, my brain just like sticks to it. There's lots of things yeah. I'm not very good at, but learning things fast, I slow. Absolutely. Call Jala, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, we have our last little question for before we end the podcast for today and it's just also a little question what's a and this is really gonna put you on the spot but what is one or two or you know as many as you'd like dream roles that you have that you'd want to play if you could Um, play anything and in fact you can play anything and i can actually and i will um yeah i think I'd really love to play Bobby in Company. Yeah. Yeah. I really like get that character. I just get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So silly at 25 years old. No. <laughs> <laughs> in like 10 years, I want to play that character. Um, but honestly, other than that, I think it sounds silly, but like um, I think my dream role doesn't exist yet. Like I think the more people write and – yeah, the more things like bearded come out, 
that's when I think I'll be like, that's my dream role. And I just got to play it. And that's like so slay. But I think before that, before Jagged, Joe was my dream role. At the same time, I'm like, why? Only because they're a non-binary character. Like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like, in my mind, it's not a dream. Whereas like Bobby, like doing something like Sondheim, so beautiful, so like rich with um, so many like different themes and stuff. That's what I really want to do. So yeah, I don't know. It doesn't exist yet. So somebody write it, please. (laughs) I think that's great. And that's the wonderful thing about new theatre as well and like getting to originate a dream role, I guess, in a sense as well. And getting to originate, like, I mean, not really originate Kelly, but kind of originate this version of Kelly was like, it just made my heart sing. I loved it so much. So wonderful getting to work on new theatre. That's the best kind of work, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's the best. Well, I guess before we wrap up for the day, we were going to do a little bit of a bedtime story, which is a stage mishap or something that's gone wrong. Have you got a bedtime story for us? Oh, my God. Have I got a bedtime story for you? (laughs) Oh, here we go. Okay. So we were in, like, I think our final week of Jagged. I knew the show like the back of my hand. Like I just, it was just like running on a treadmill. You know, I just got on the train and I got off. I didn't even have to really think about it anymore. But maybe I should have because I was standing side stage and I was at like the drink water bottle station and it was like almost at the end of the show and I knew that we had thank you and then the finale to go. And um, I was standing there drinking and I was like, talking to Tim Draxel and I think Grace Smile. And I was like, this is so fun. I never get to talk to you guys at this point of the show. Like, this is so great. Oh, it's so nice to like touch base. And then I hear Emily Nakomo start singing this line that I normally am behind her for. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm standing here because I'm supposed to be on stage. That's why I've never (gasps) been here before. Because I'm supposed to be on stage right now. And I literally turned to Tim and I was like, I'm supposed to be on stage. And then I went, my mic's on. And like grabbed my mic. Oh my gosh. It was the most embarrassing thing. And then after I like ran out to the stage and everyone was like, what did you do? Because it's like one of those ones where they just, we would just walk on, sing this song and walk off. And I was in the middle, in the front. Like silly, silly, silly Jala. And everyone came oh off and they were God. like, Jala, where were you? And I was like, I was talking to Tim. I was talking to Tim side stage. And then Pip, our stage manager, was like, you silly, silly boy. What are you doing? And then after the show, we went on for the finale. And I was just pissing myself laughing at this point. I was like, oh, whatever. What can I do about it? Like, it's just silly. Yeah, Classic me, ADHD brain, just like not knowing where the heck I am. And then um, as we came off... <laughs> Leah, our director, was there. <laughs> Leah Howard, and she was just like, "What happened, mate?" And I was like, "I'm so sorry." And she was like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> but luckily, everybody laughed about it. But I felt so guilty. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so bad." So, so bad. that's like your worst nightmare. Worst I don't know. Nightmare. I have all these like, you know, like you have dreams where you're like on stage and you forget to go on stage, yeah. and you're like. Luckily, I like it wasn't like a solo or anything. Like, Mm. if it was a different song, it might have been a bit more of an issue. But it was luckily one of the ones where it was like, it was just a walk on, sing and walk off. So it wasn't a huge deal. But oh, it was. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. It's such like a (sighs) mortifying thing because you're just like, yeah. Especially when you realize, and it's not even like you were completely unaware. You're just like, wow, like, we never get to like hang yeah. out and have this chat. And it's it was like, that oh, there's I, a reason for that. Crazy. It was that I literally said, oh my God, this is so nice. I never get to like see you guys at this point in the show. And then all of a sudden I hear Emily's voice. It was that moment. And then the realization was like, just it, like it should have been in a movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's one of those embarrassing moments in a movie where you watch this character just die inside and you go, Oh, I feel that so mm. viscerally. That's awful to watch. I can't do it. It was one of those. Yeah. So bad. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's too good. I love it. Thank love you it. so much for that story. Oh, I loved it. That was an amazing bedtime story. And thank you so much for 
reaching out to us because <laughs> we loved getting to talk to you so of much course. and completing the little beautiful triangle of you three fabulous, fabulous people. Yeah, we've been talking about completing it for a while too. Yes. So this was like serendipitous I'm and so it was glad. amazing. I was yes. like, no, it's actually my time. <laughs> no, it is. It was your time. The other two have had their time to shine. It's mine. <laughs> yes, love it. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with us today. Oh, it has been absolutely phenomenal. And for everyone listening, please go and follow Jala on Instagram. It's just Jala Kimberly Black, which we will leave linked down below. Also, obviously, Bearded is closed, but you can still go and follow their Instagram, which I don't have the handle of right now. I'm going to assume it's just maybe Bearded Musical. I think it is. Oh, Slay. It will also be down below um, to follow what they're doing, because obviously it's, um, I have been, I'm correct, it's just Bearded Musical? Yeah, Yeah. it's just Bearded Musical. Love that for me. Um, Being prepared. I think it'll, I think it, I think it's got some serious legs and some serious interest and I think it'll be back. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I've heard a couple things from it. It's very good. Yeah. So very good. And excited. just support independent Aussie queer theatre because yes. it's support from you guys and obviously, you know, massive producers would be fantastic. <laughs> but community support is one of the biggest things because you know, you know, when you can sell out a show it then gives that show a future. Um but thank you so, so much, Jal, again, for taking the time and coming on and talking to us today. Thank you for having me. And until next time, you guys, stay happy, healthy and safe, and we will talk to you then. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.